Welcome to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. I'm associate editor, Elijah Poindexter. Recently, I spoke with Ginger Schmelzer, strategic advisor and research consultancy, Ita Navarica. Ms. Schmelzer and I spoke about the hurdles to interoperability in digital payments, along with some of the technology that consumers and institutions are using to help overcome these challenges. I know that is the, the big question that kind of led us to, to do this study was, was the definition of inter- interoperability. And we in the payments industry, you know, we who live it day to day have all of our definitions around, you know, technical legal compatibility, systems working with other systems, uh, conducting clearing and settling transactions, you know, we, we, all these kind of technical terms that all have to do with the actual kind of physical linkages in the back end. But from a consumer perspective, they don't think about any of that, right? From a consumer perspective, they just want it to work. And, and you know, they want it to be seamless, they want it to be friction-free. But really, as we were putting together our research, we talked to payments industry folks and said, look, you know, put on your consumer hat, take off your, your payments industry, you know, employee hat, put on your consumer hat. You make payments all the time. What, what would, a, a, what, what would a, a simple, easy payment look like for you? Um, or what, what would interoperability mean from a consumer perspective? Well, the first answer was, well, consumers don't know what interoperable means. It's not a, a term that any of us use in our personal lives around payments. But there are seven, sorry, six, excuse me, key things that from a consumer perspective are, are what we're looking for with payments, right? First and foremost, it just works, right? It's familiar, it's reliable, we can make sure, we know it works every time, it's just, it's, it's going to work. Two, it's simple, right? Seamless, easy to use, not a lot of steps, not complicated, it's simple. I just, I, I, you know, I push a button, I hit it, I click something, I hand over a card, whatever it is, it's easy, it works. It's accessible, I can get to that payment method. I can use it no matter where I am, no matter how rich or poor I am, no matter whether I'm banked or not. I have a, an access to a payment method of my choice um, uh, to, to, to conduct my, my payments. Fourth, it's ubiquitous, right? It's available everywhere. I can use it where I need to. I can make or receive a payment from anyone for anything. It's just out there. It's fast, right? It, just, it happens real time, near real time. Consumers are kind of trained by, you know, everything else in our lives to expect things to happen right away and payments in our perspective should not be any different. And finally, it's secure. Again, consumers don't think about what makes it secure behind the scenes. They just want to know that the payment's going to take place. It's going to, it's going to go through uh, in a reliable way and that it's not going to be a fraudulent or steal stolen credentials or anything like that. They just, they, they believe that it's going to happen securely and that someone in the provider universe is going to take care of that for them. That's what consumers think about when they talk about a payment, payments being interoperable. From a consumer perspective, that just means that it's seamless, easy, works, ubiquitous, accessible. It's, it's something that I just know I'm going to be able to, to use to pay or get paid. I think I know the answer to this question already, but I'll, I'll go out on the limb and ask it. Has anybody, be it a bank or a payments provider or a fintech, has anybody really delivered on all of those fronts you just listed? Or is there like an, is this an industry-wide trend of not really hitting each of these benchmarks uh, that we see? So I think that consumers have, and merchants, right, and all of us in the payments industry have gotten used to this, right? I mean, if you think about payments, it's all additive, right? Cash still exists, checks still are in use, cards are in use, but we keep adding on new payment methods. And all of us in the space, both of us, those of us who are using payments, those of us who are providing payment technology, have to adapt and, and, and deal with that. So banks are not just handling cash and checks anymore. They're handling cash, check, cards, Zelle, 
you know, other P2P mechanisms, card processing, you know, it, it just adds and adds and adds Apple Pay. Um, and so the, the challenge there is we as consumers have just kind of gotten used to it being a little uncomfortable and not working, right? So I can use my bank account for direct deposit of my paycheck, but when I go to buy something at the at the local store, I'm not going to pay with my bank account, right? It won't work as well. So we have lots of different use cases, and we as consumers have said, okay, well, for this, I'm going to use PayPal. For this, I'm going to use my credit card. For that, I'm going to use my bank account. For, for paying the, the, you know, the local kid who cuts my lawn, I'm going to use Venmo, right? We've just decided that we're going to manage through all the complexity. And at the end of the day, consumers aren't necessarily uh, cognizant of how they could make it simpler, but they want it to be simpler. They need it to be. No one has solved that problem across all of those of those use cases, but it's getting there, right? So think about it's been 10 years, I guess, really, since Uber came on the scene. But the big appeal of Uber to so many folks, despite this, this aside from the you know challenge of getting a cab on a rainy day in New York City kind of a thing is that the payment just was, was invisible, right? The payment just went away. You got on the, in the car, you went where you told them you wanted to go, you got out and you walked away. You didn't have to fumble with the card or cash or negotiating or, or you know, any of that. It just happened behind the scenes. It was all, all seamless. And that was a very exciting and delightful experience for consumers. That's the kind of thing we're starting to see happen more and more. You're seeing that, you know, QR codes have made their way into things like Venmo and Square Cash. So to pay you, I just scan your QR code and the payment then happens with one click. It's easy. I don't have to exchange information. We don't have to exchange bank account details or card info or emails or anything else. We just scan a QR code and it happens, right? So we're starting to see simplicity and accessibility happening more and more and speed. What we're still not seeing is that 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 kind of, you know, the the um the, it just works across the spectrum. You just, I, I can't say, Eliza, I'm going to pay you with my Visa card for pay you back for dinner the other night. It doesn't work that way, right? That's not a use case that's applicable with a card. But there should at some point be a way where I say, I'm going to pay you with Venmo. You want to, Ven, sorry, with Venmo. Um, it makes Venmo and PayPal there. I'm going to pay you with <laughs> Venmo and you want to get paid on your Visa card. That should be something that could happen, right? It can't today. But there should come a point where just like I can email you from my Gmail account and it arrives to you in your Hotmail account and that all happens in the background, it's routed it seamlessly, it doesn't matter, right? I don't have, we don't have to be on, both be on Gmail for email to get through. It just, it just happens from one to the other and it happens instantaneously. We should get to a point in payments where that's going to happen. Now that is a utopian view, right? I get it. I work in payments and I have for you know 22 years. It's not that easy. But from a consumer perspective, it should be that easy. From a consumer perspective, I subscribe to Netflix. I can watch any movie anytime as long as I pay my subscription fee, right? It's and it's I can immediately get that movie. I can download that song. I can get the um, you know the this new content that I want for a game. I can get a, a document. It's all it's all real time availability. Payments in the consumer's mind is the same way and should be just as accessible. So maybe we can take it a little bit deeper, you know, kind of follow up on that. So, you know, <clears throat> what are the biggest barriers, you know, aside from the fact that, you know, I think a big one probably would be like closed networks, like obviously Visa and MasterCard, there's no, you know, the, the, there's not really an exchange there. But mm -hmm. aside from that, maybe I could be wrong, but aside from that, uh, you know, what are some of the barriers from both the institutional perspective and the consumer perspective uh, in facilitating a truly uh, interoperable uh, payments environment? Sure. And you're not wrong on the MasterCard Visa example. One of the biggest barriers is competition, right? Visa and MasterCard aren't, you know, they cooperate in some areas like like fraud and things. But but at the end of the day, competition, you know, banks aren't, aren't 
you know, motivated to, to, to cooperate with each other. MasterCard and Visa don't necessarily want to cooperate with each other. Pfizer and FIS and Square and Stripe. And, it, you know, they all want to be successful in their own company, in their own products and with their own implementations. They're necess- not necessarily wanting to make it easy for, for me to pay you, you know, and, and match up different uh, payment mechanisms. They want me to pay you on Venmo into your Venmo account because that's a that that works better for that company. And so pushing competitors to cooperate to make a system interoperable, you know, there's a lot of hurdles to making that happen and not unreasonable ones. You know, these are all for-profit businesses. They, they, they need to make money for their shareholders. Um, so that's certainly one, one hurdle. Privacy is another, right? Consumers, most of the time, are interested in protecting their data and protecting their privacy. Now, there's always a trade-off between security and convenience, right? And so, so consumers will share some data in, in, in a pursuit of, of convenience or, or, or ease of kind of managing their lives. Um, but but data sharing is foundational to interoperability from a payment provider perspective, right? If I won't, if a consumer doesn't share their data, it's really hard for me to to do um, to make things interoperable because I can't I can't match that consumer up with the other end of the payment. Um, and so there have to be ways for for managing data sharing in a, in a way that's comfortable for consumers and for the providers uh, to make this all happen. Another barrier is governments, right? So government policy regulations around consumer protection, around payment enablement, around um, you know um, um, managing competitive situations. Um, those can be issues as well. Can, onerous government requirements can actually reduce the ability to build interoperability because they are, you know, often in the spirit of protecting consumers or businesses can can cause problems that, that don't let us build towards um, interoperability. And then finally, and, you know, I think most of us who have worked at banks have lived this legacy technology, right? The, the, the famous spaghetti infrastructure that so many banks have with, you know, 40 and 50 year old core systems that have been, you know, added onto and added onto as new technologies and new payments have come along, make it really difficult to adapt quickly and to, to introduce seamlessly and, and kind of elegantly new payment technologies. So we've got lots of, of kind of challenges there. And, and that's not even mentioning things like consumer education, right? Consumers today have so many different payment types that they're all juggling, right? I mean, all of us have a bank account, but all of us, all of us in the United States, let's say for, that, are, that are banked, have a bank account, probably a credit card, um, probably have a, a Venmo or a PayPal or a Square Cash account or, or all three, have a Starbucks you know, prepaid card, um, you, you name it, right? We've got kind of all these things we're juggling. We might have tried to buy now, pay later loan. We might have a car loan, we have a mortgage and we have, um, you know, we're paying, you know, fees for our kids at schools or activities or whatever. So we have all these things that we're managing in our lives and all this complexity, which is a bit overwhelming for consumers. So educating consumers, not just on what's out there and how to use it, but what the protections are, right? Protections on your credit card transaction are different from protections on your bank account transactions, right? And consumers don't necessarily know or, or understand the implications of things like that. And so there's a big consumer education hurdle to understand all the different options that are available, how they work together, how they don't work together, how to best protect yourself, and how to streamline your own life uh, around all of that. And then finally, visibility, right? There's a lot of people out there talking about, say, crypto, for instance. Most consumers don't know what that is or how to use it, but they hear about it and think, oh, well, how could I use that? Um, And so so kind of visibility into what's there and and what's what's possible um, is definitely a big part of, it's very closely tied to education, but is a big part of um, kind of expanding capabilities around payments and making consumers truly able able to manage interoperability um, as and when it, it, it becomes available. You know, every every payments expert probably, well, you know, by definition, they probably have their own sort of take on it or spin on it. But from your perspective, I mean, it, out of all of those barriers on both the institutional, 
on the customer side, is there one that sticks out to you as like this is going to be like this will be the biggest hurdle, or are they are they all about equal? Man, that's a good question, Elijah. It's hard to say that one is more important than the other, right? There are there are enablers, right? So if, if governments, governments in some markets around the world, say Singapore, for instance, is put in, the, in a standardized QR code, right? So they've done something that says, okay, we're going to make this easier so that everybody who wants to use a QR code to access their payment mechanism or payment method, it's it's now one one entry point and will facilitate kind of matching that all up on the back end. So governments can be an enabler for that, um, and, and, but can also be a, a, a huge detractor. So I, I would say that there, there's a lot to be said for that. But legacy technology is a huge hurdle for so many of the companies that are that are well-established and well-trusted brands for consumers. And so that's a big hurdle, right? Competition that never, gonna, that never is not going to be a problem, right? There, there's so many players. And yeah, we see mergers and acquisitions all the time. We see, we see roll-ups. We see things kind of consolidating and, 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 and becoming, you know, less competitive maybe, but that also creates problems on the other side. So I don't think there's any one barrier that is kind of the, the most important one to overcome. Um, if I had to pick one, honestly, I would pick consumer education, but it is mm. so tied to everything else. I think that's really challenging. Uh, it's just, consumers have so much to juggle in their lives. And part of the reason we did this project was because at the end of the day, consumers, I, I just want to send an email and know it's going to arrive. I want to just pay a bill and know that it's going to be done. I don't want to have to deal with all the follow-ups, making sure the payment posted. And did they, are they going to turn my water off because they didn't actually receive the payment that I actually sent? And it's it's that kind of consumers just just want to be able to be confident that the, the money is going to flow through and that I'm going to get on with the rest of my life. Payments are such a critical part of all of our lives and yet something that we just don't want to think about. We want it just to be taken care of. I want my paycheck direct deposit. I don't want to get a check and go to the bank and have to stand in line like my parents and my grandparents did. I want it just to happen, right? And outgoing payments, the same thing. I want it just to happen and I want to be confident that the funds are in my account. I won't overdraft. You know, I won't miss any of the payments. I want someone to help me kind of figure all that out. Um, and, and, you know, the less complex that can be and the more help I can get in managing that, the better. And part of that is allowing me to kind of choose how I, how I pay and how I get paid um, and make that as seamless as possible. Uh, so maybe you can sure. delve into the tech side. So, you know, non-card, contactless payments, automated environments. You know, what are some of the biggest tech pieces right now uh, as it applies to, to uh, payments interoperability? Like what moving forward, uh, what are going to be some of the key tech pieces or automation pieces to help facilitate that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that we've already started to see most of that arrive, right? You know, the growth of APIs over the last five or six years has made a huge difference in, in the ability for various players to work together, whether they want to or not. Um, that's a whole other discussion we could have, right? I think that that's making a big difference. I think QR codes have really kind of jumped up in visibility during the pandemic as people were looking for contactless ways to interact. And that is really helping to drive more interoperability in a lot of areas. Um, I think that something else we're seeing finally really kind of take hold in, you know, the U.S. and Europe, for instance, although they were already there in, in China, mobile wallets, right? I think the mobile wallets are starting to let, you know, me, I, I pay with Apple Pay and you, you get paid with Apple Pay, but I can, my payment method is in the wallet and yours and your wallet can be wildly different. It doesn't matter. Apple is the one that's connect. Apple Pay is the one that's connecting us on either side. So you're starting to see, you know, technologies come along that are helping to bridge that gap. Um, 
you know, Zelle in the U.S. has really taken off as they've kind of built a, a more of a, a system-wide um, interoperability for for bank-to-bank transfers. So you're starting to see a lot of that happen, um, and I think consumers are getting much more comfortable with that kind of technology as well. I, I think that, you know, 20 years ago, consumers would have been horrified at the idea of storing everything on a phone or of scanning a QR code because, you know, I don't know where that goes or what what's happening with that. I think consumers are much more comfortable with with new technology and how it enables those interactions. Um, and so I do think that we're starting to see some of the, the technologies allow that to happen. The fact that we all have a, a phone in our hands um, everywhere we go all the time is, is a huge enabler for interoperability and and for for ubiquity, right? I mean, everyone has a phone, maybe a flip phone, and maybe a, a fancy, you know, high-end iPhone, or anywhere in between. But we do have the ability to carry a lot of payment credentials, um, uh, shopping, bank account information, everything right there on the device. There's a camera. There's GPS. There's a lot of ways for um, providers to verify my identity, my location, and the and the, the the likelihood that I am the person making whatever transaction I'm trying to make, um, based on a lot of things that are behind the scenes and not really visible to me as the consumer. You've been listening to the Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. Thank you for your time, and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com for more automation news. You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please don't hesitate to rate this podcast on your podcast platform of choice.